Hey there, Davis. Hoping you're finding some calm in your day? Out in San Francisco, it looks like those cloudy skies are making way for a bit of sunshine later. A gentle reminder that even the foggiest mornings can lead to clear skies. Highs of 54F and those breezes making it feel just right. And as the night rolls in, that partly cloudy sky might just be perfect for some stargazing. Low around 43F, with the winds keeping it mild. First up, a significant move by the FCC as they crack down on AI-generated voice robocalls. It's all about protecting us from scams and voter deception. I'm Steve Onsker, and alongside me is Jonathan Martin, and this is Early Bird News from Pocket Pod News. Then we're diving into how major social networks are changing the game for third-party developers and what this means for the future of social media interaction. And finally, a Supreme Court debate that could shape future presidential elections. It's all centered around the 14th Amendment and who gets to be on the ballot. This message is brought to you by Pocket Pod News sponsor, Milo. Transform bedtime into a magical journey with Milo, the AI story generator that crafts personalized bedtime stories for dreamers of all ages. From enchanted forests to distant planets, Milo brings your imagination to life, making every night an adventure. Discover the magic and download the Milo Bedtime Stories app today, where every story is as unique as you are. The Supreme Court just heard a case that's getting a lot of attention. Yes, it's about whether former President Donald Trump can be barred from the ballot under a post-Civil War constitutional provision. This provision prohibits anyone who engaged in insurrection from holding office. PocketPod News political correspondent Jessica Mallory has been following the arguments closely. Jessica, this feels like a historic moment for the court. What stood out to you during the proceedings? Absolutely, Jonathan. It does indeed mark a historic moment, particularly because it delves into the rarely invoked Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, a provision that's stirring quite a debate around former President Donald Trump's eligibility for future ballots due to his association with the events of January 6, 2021. Let's start with the basics here, Jessica. How likely is it that Trump will stay on the ballot? Well, Jonathan, based on the justices' reactions during the proceedings, there seems to be significant skepticism toward removing Trump from the ballot using Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. They questioned whether a state court has the authority to disqualify a presidential contender in this manner, indicating a hesitance to set such a precedent. The Colorado Supreme Court had previously ruled 4-3 to three that Trump was ineligible, but this skepticism from higher-up suggests a different outcome might be on the horizon. What makes Section 3 so complicated for judges to navigate? The core issue with Section 3 is its vagueness concerning procedures and definitions. This section was designed post-Civil War to prevent those who engaged in insurrection against the Union from holding office, but it doesn't clearly define what constitutes such acts or how one should be formally deemed to have engaged in them. During discussions, there were references made to an 1869 case involving a Virginia man, which highlighted these ambiguities, showing just how challenging it is for judges today to apply this provision without clear guidelines. And I understand there was limited mention of January 6th during these arguments? That's correct. Despite expectations that January 6th would be at the forefront of discussions, given its role as the basis for invoking Section 3, the justices largely steered clear of diving into specifics about that day. Instead, their focus was more on the broader implications such a decision could have on electoral processes and legal precedents, rather than dissecting Trump's actions or involvement in those events. Can you talk about how history played into these arguments? 
Certainly, there was an extensive historical argument presented by both sides regarding Section 3's origins and intended applications. Trump's team particularly emphasized that since Section 3 doesn't explicitly mention presidential eligibility, it shouldn't automatically apply. This historical perspective is crucial because it underlines how interpretations of constitutional provisions can evolve and why precise language matters so much in legal frameworks. Now there's talk about potential implications beyond just this case. Can you expand on that? Yes, one fascinating aspect discussed was how this ruling might set precedents for interpreting other constitutional clauses, like those concerning emoluments. If new interpretations are established for Section 3, it opens up questions about whether other provisions could similarly be reassessed or expanded upon. This case isn't just about Trump's eligibility, it's also about how we understand and apply our Constitution going forward. Fascinating insights as always, Jessica. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this cutting-edge development from Washington. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's certainly a complex topic with far-reaching implications we'll continue watching closely. The tech giants are making headlines again, and not for launching new gadgets. That's right. This time it's about the vast amounts of data they've collected over the years. Both Twitter, now X, and Reddit have revamped their terms, limiting access to this data, a move that has significant implications for developers and possibly the future of AI. To dive deeper into how these changes might reshape the landscape for third-party developers and AI research, we're joined by PocketPod News technology correspondent Clint Randell. Clint, can you break down what these changes mean for everyone involved? Absolutely, Jonathan. The landscape of social media is undergoing a significant transformation, particularly with platforms like X, formerly Twitter, and Reddit altering their terms and conditions to limit third-party experiences. This has been a move to monetize data, especially for AI model training, which has sparked a considerable shift not just for users, but for developers as well. That sounds like a major pivot. Can you delve into what exactly prompted these changes? Sure, both X and Reddit have made clear moves to control how their data is accessed and used, primarily to capitalize on the burgeoning AI market. For instance, X began its changes in January 2023, focusing on restricting API access, which third-party apps relied on. Reddit followed suit in April 2023. The overarching aim here is to monetize their vast data repositories for AI training purposes, an area both companies see as lucrative. How has this impacted the developer community that's been building around these platforms? The developer community has faced significant challenges with the introduction of these new terms. Several third-party apps like Twitterific and Apollo had no choice but to shut down. This move not only disrupts the ecosystem, but also sends a signal to developers about the precarious nature of relying too heavily on any single platform's API for their applications. There's been mention of new social networks emerging as a result of these changes. Could you expand on that? Yes, we're seeing an interesting trend where uh, developers and users alike are moving towards alternative platforms such as Blue Sky and Mastodon, among others. These platforms are emerging as viable alternatives offering more open ecosystems compared to EX or Reddit. Specifically, Mastodon has seen an uptick in attention since it operates on a decentralized network model, which contrasts sharply with the centralized models of traditional social media networks. And what about Meta's Threads? I've heard it's gaining traction too. Threads by Meta has indeed made quite the entrance with over 130 million active users recently reported. It's experimenting with ActivityPub integration, which could further bolster its position by allowing interoperability among different social networks. However, there's caudious optimism around its API strategy, which initially will be quite restrictive. It seems like monetizing data for AI isn't without controversy, especially regarding user privacy concerns. 
That's correct. While companies see value in leveraging their data for AI training purposes, demonstrated by Musk's limitation on post views and Reddit's CEO emphasizing the dataset's value, there's growing scrutiny over privacy implications and how this aligns with user consent principles. With all these shifts happening simultaneously, what should we be keeping an eye out for in the near future? We should watch how these new policies impact user engagement across platforms and whether alternative networks can sustain momentum against established players like X or Reddit. Additionally, monitoring how these developments influence broader discussions around privacy, data ownership, and regulatory responses will be crucial. Fascinating insights as always, Clint. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this evolving landscape within social media and its broader implications. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's certainly a dynamic situation that we'll continue monitoring closely. Robocalls have been a nuisance for years, but there's a new twist that's causing even more concern. Right. With advancements in artificial intelligence, scammers are now using AI-generated voices to make these calls sound incredibly realistic. This technology has been used to impersonate public figures and even loved ones in distress. The Federal Communications Commission has taken a stand against this. PocketPod News technology correspondent Alex Harmon joins us to dive into what the FCC's ruling means for the future of robocalls and AI voice cloning. Alex. Absolutely, Jonathan. The Federal Communications Commission's recent ruling against robocalls featuring AI-generated voices marks a significant step in addressing growing concerns over digital privacy and fraud. These robocalls have been implicated in various deceptive practices, from voter manipulation to financial scams. Let's start with the basics, Alex. What exactly prompted this ruling from the FCC? Well, Jonathan, the FCC has observed a disturbing rise in the use of AI-generated voices in unsolicited robocalls. These aren't just your run-of-the-mill telemarketing calls, but sophisticated attempts at scamming individuals and even manipulating voters. For instance, last month there was an incident where a robocall using an apparently AI-generated voice imitating President Biden discouraged Democrats from voting in New Hampshire just days before the state's primary. That sounds deeply concerning. Can you delve into how these scams work, especially those involving AI-generated voice impersonation? Certainly. One of the most alarming aspects of these scams is their ability to mimic the voices of public figures or even loved ones convincingly. The Federal Trade Commission has specifically warned about scenarios where scammers use AI to replicate a family member's voice, claiming they're in danger and urgently need money. This exploitation of AI technology is particularly insidious because it plays on emotional vulnerabilities and trust. With these threats evolving so rapidly, what does the FCC's ruling actually entail for enforcement and legal ramifications? The ruling essentially classifies calls made with AI-generated voices as artificial under a 1991 federal law designed to curb junk calls. This classification now enables fines against violators and provides grounds for victims to sue those who deploy AI for robocalls without consent. It's a powerful tool that grants legal authority to penalize fraudulent activities involving AI voice cloning while offering recourse for affected individuals. Turning our attention to voter manipulation through these robocalls, how significant is this issue? It's quite significant, Jonathan. The use of technology to manipulate voters poses a direct threat to democratic processes. The incident in New Hampshire is just one example. However, it highlights how bad actors could potentially sway electoral outcomes by spreading disinformation or discouraging voter participation through seemingly credible sources. 
in this case, an imitation of President Biden's voice. And finally, Alex, what broader implications does this FCC ruling have for consumers and technology moving forward? This ruling signifies an important acknowledgement by regulatory bodies of the double-edged nature of advancing technology, its potential for innovation versus its misuse for fraud and manipulation. For consumers, it's a reminder of the importance of vigilance in an increasingly digital world while also offering some level of protection against emerging threats. Moreover, it sets a precedent for how similar technologies might be regulated moving forward, striking a balance between fostering innovation and safeguarding public interest. Fascinating insights as always, Alex. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this cutting-edge development from the FCC. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's certainly a topic we'll continue watching closely. And that's Early Bird News for Saturday, February 10th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app. <laughs>